Yo fam, I got some good things going on. As I talked about, I made a 90-day commitment to meditating. It's a Joe Dispenza visualization. I'm on day six or seven, something like that. It's going very well. I enjoy it. Big milestone on Saturday, September the 10th. This is 2022. I celebrated 21 years of recovery. And what's cool about that is I was 21 when I got clean. I was it was a month after my 21st birthday. And so with this celebration, I've been clean and sober as long as I had been alive. Uh up until I quit doing uh, alcohol and drugs. It's a big deal. I celebrated that with getting a tattoo. I got my very first tattoo. I I figured after 21 years, I could put my clean date in ink. And it's also uh, one of the things I actually listened to my father about was don't get a tattoo when you're young because the odds of you getting something that you'll like when you're older is very low. And so uh, if I hadn't listened to him, I would definitely have a some tribal on my body and a barbed wire uh and barbed wire around my around my bicep um and it turned out really well i had a guy up at summit same as brett uh rogue something is his instagram handle he is so good it's ro3 something something anyway um I'm really happy with it. I keep looking down and going, man, that's far. Um, I put the prayer uh, on there. It says, it's already done. It's already done. I've been listening to Wayne Dyer's meditation along with Joe Dispenza. And and Wayne Dyer talks about there's no need to, uh, there's no need to worry, no need to fear, no need to... uh, you know, be anxious or to, to manifest and, you know, work super hard and diligent to try to make your dreams and possibilities come true because they're already done. Um, I think the caveat to that is very important to listen to is you can't just sit there and manifest and think it's going to happen. You know, when we ask for stuff, when we have big audacious dreams and goals, when we when we want to create something, whether it's financial or intimately or, you know, whatever, uh, when we ask for these things, we better bring a shovel and work boots. I think what the messaging is, is what's important is that I show up on a daily basis. I continue to center myself to be in the moment. I do what's in front of me. I work hard. But I don't have to worry and and be frantic, frantically organize and plan and set goals and all these kind of things. And so for me, this is a reminder for it's already done. One of my favorite lines in this meditation I'm doing is uh, with Joe Dispenza is how would you live and how would you be if you knew your prayers and desires were already answered, right? And boy, does that 
give me a sense of relief. Uh, I, I work with Austin better. I don't worry about my finances as much. I don't feel attacked when Sarah brings things up. I'm not scared of my boss or worried about my career. It's already done. Relief. Something that's been uh, really wild, um, and part of me even gets fearful (laughs) when I see it, but... So I've been doing this workshop, and it is a very good workshop, in my opinion. I really like it. I'm just really getting my getting the experience that I need to be up in front of a room to figure out what works and to commit this thing to to memory and to body and to experiment. You can that you know that stuff you can only do by getting repetitions in front of people. And so I talk about you know family and childhood and um, you know moving towards a uh, putting hours into my mental, physical, and spiritual life like we do with our profession or with our, um, you know, working out or eating right. Anyway, but I quoted this guy named John Bradshaw in my, in one of my slides. And this lady came up to me after a I did a talk. She goes, oh, that reminds me of one of his books. And I was like, oh, I've never read his books. And come to find out (laughs) his books on shame and family and, um, you know, and childhood trauma is literally the foundational principles, the foundational work. I'm sure there's a bunch of other people, but when I watch his stuff, it's basically the ACA, Adult Children of Alcoholics and Family Dysfunction Program. And I'm just shocked. And I'm watching one of his old series, if you haven't. Uh, if you haven't ever uh, seen it, it is a um, uh, it's John Bradshaw Homecoming. It's a it's a series on YouTube, and uh, boy is it good! It's from the eighties, maybe nineties. I think it's from the eighties. But as I watch them, it's like all kind of aspects of my my talk is in that in much more detail because he's a trained therapist and psychologist and all these kind of you know he's actually trained to do the work whereas I just talk about the tip of the iceberg of the work but um and then come to find out this is going to be shocking y'all extremely shocking he's also a person in long-term recovery it's um it's funny how many how familiar he feels to me um, that's also not surprising because we attract what we are. We gravitate towards the people that are like us. I, I was at a uh, the Summit of Greatness, Lewis Howes' um, big summit. They do it every year in Columbus. And uh, some friends gave us some tickets and we got to go meet up with a group of people that we knew from online. I'd been in Masterminds. Sarah worked with them uh, with with one of the uh, girls, Heather Parody, and and with some consulting work. And I got to meet all these people that I only knew online. And um, a number of the speakers talked about mental wellness in in different capacities. And one of the ladies was saying that when we are attracted to someone, whether it's intimately, whether it's as a uh, as a friend, um, you know, someone in a room when we're trying to figure out who to talk to, when we 
get that either the jolt, the lightning bolt jolt of being attracted to someone or love or infatuation or the comfort, you know, someone's just easy to talk to. It's because deep within our bones, deep within our cells, deep within our subconscious, it's familiar, it's safe, it's at home. And on one hand, it's interesting to connect with other like-minded people, people that feel safe. And on the other hand, when you come from a background of dysfunction, which we all do, um, you know, we all in one way, shape or another are dysfunctional. But when we go from dysfunctional relationship to dysfunctional relationship to dysfunctional relationship, it's because we are we, we are attracted to the familiarity that is produced with those that are similar, that were raised in similar environments or have the similar, um, you know, the, the, the same dysfunction that we have. And I think the other thing that I'm learning or con- continuing to deal with is that knowing what to do or knowing I don't want a parent in a particular way or knowing that I don't want to, um, you know, procrastinate or, uh, put things off or, uh, self negative self-talk myself, um, that without working through the trauma, the childhood, going back in, in, in EMDR, we talk about rewriting the stories and and putting them in their place so they don't have as much power over us when when we're when we don't do that we are in essence powerless against the behaviors and the feelings that are innate in our bones in our cells in our subconscious and so it just reminds me in another way, another, just here we are at a, with just another example of why it's important that we do the work. You know, so one of the one of the speakers had said, and this was such, such a great uh, line, as he says, he was talking about success and he says, success cannot be owned, only rented and rent is due every day. Success cannot be owned, but yet it's rented. And rent is due every day. A lot of the people, this summit to greatness was a, it was a lot about business, you know, business success and, you know, entrepreneurs and people that are uh, looking to, to be great. Um, and, if we don't do the work, you know, because it's like we can get the the one, two, threes of of success, but if we haven't worked through the stuff, right, and we can't execute, then it doesn't matter knowing what we need to do to be successful. The other thing that was super impactful that I've never heard it talked about this way was discipline. The one one you know, through line 
from a lot of people that are very high functioning and performers, they have one thing in common, and that is discipline, the ability to do these things over and over and over and over and over again without fail like a like a like an engine right and i've always thought oh well i'm not disciplined or you know those people must be naturally disciplined and what they talked about was um that it's not that we're not disciplined it's that we are um what's the word it's not that we're not disciplined we can all learn to be disciplined. It is shit. I can't even think about it. I can't, I can't remember what it was, but what, what, what they're talking about is we have the ability to learn to be disciplined. We can learn discipline. We can create discipline. Uh, one of the guys talked about short term. We are naturally as humans, we are wired to do what's easy, right? To conserve energy. This is why shortcuts are so um, natural and and we all want to, what's the shortcuts? How do we get there quicker, right? You know, we are wired to take shortcuts. We are wired to look for easier, softer ways to do things. It's absolutely normal. But when we talk about success and we talk about discipline, it is one's ability to to um, to do the short term, to have short term dysfunction, or sorry, short term um, discomfort for long term positive results. So it is my ability to do what's hard in the short term in order to create and to benefit from the long-term successful results. But what most people do, myself included, and I'm extremely, uh, this resonates with me, is I typically, naturally, almost without fail, go for the short-term ease. However... My long-term results are um, uncomfortable, not as good as I want or desire, right? For bad long-term results, I, I go for the easy route, not the hard route. Man, it was really good. It was good for me to hear. The other thing that they talked about is, again, going back to this idea of intellectually, it doesn't matter if I know I need to be disciplined. If I can't do it, if I can't muster the energy to be disciplined, then it doesn't matter, right? And so one thing that um, they talked about is many times those that have that are disciplined have big, audacious um, missions, right? You know, it's one thing to go, I want to make a million dollars. I want to be a millionaire. I want to be super successful. But a lot of people have these these big, audacious missions about changing the world, changing their community, you know, changing the lot, feeding a million people. Um, Steve Harvey said one of his uh, mentors who was a billionaire says, "What you well, in order to be successful, you need to learn to scale. You want to feed 3,000 people, figure out how to feed 30,000. If you want to sp- feed 30,000, try to figure out how to feed 3 million. And, and my instinct, my instinct when I hear that stuff is, oh, 
what a big ego they must have. You know, how, how uh, conceited must they be to want to do that, right? That is deep within my bones to go, be small. Don't be too full of yourself. Don't, you know, kind of be safe in the, in the middle. That's my experience, right? However, I've been thinking a lot about mission, to have a mission. It's one thing to want to get up and teach, train, and coach, and talk about all these things and help people question, start to question who they are and what they believe and what they believe to be true and where they want to go and how they parent and who they can be long-term and how to be of service to others, right? Not rely on the schools to fix our children or or the government to help us or or uh, the healthcare system to to cover you know our services with insurance. It's how do we start with us, right? That is what I like to do is to help you question what you believe to be true, help you question um, what it is that. Uh, uh, you need to change and then encourage you to do it, right? Go f- seek out those those avenues. But often I get caught up in financial goals, right? Financial goals when I go, wow, what if I could support myself doing something I absolutely love? Wow, what if I could buy any pair of shoes that I want? Wow, what if I could get a Porsche? Or, wow, what if we could have a couple uh, vacation homes and it not be a stretch to pay for them, right? So what I know about me because I've done some work is I have a deep financial insecurity, right? I have a deep financial Insecurity, And what that means, because I've done a little bit of work and I'm starting to kind of scratch the surface is I remember my parents both had businesses. Mom was a hairstylist. Dad was a newspaper publisher. And I can remember that they used to fight a lot about money. Right. So that was just one iteration. One of the symptoms of how our family dysfunction kind of manifested was my parents like to have a good time. We always had good parties. They like to you know, uh, drink and, and have a good old time. Right. But, but with that comes maybe, uh, undisciplined spending, right. You know, I don't know if you, your parents ever did this, but it was like, don't tell dad, don't tell mom, don't tell dad. We spent all this money. Don't tell mom. We're going to go do this. Keep it a secret. Right. And so what that created in my family was, and for me, my interpretation, what that created for me was financial, financial insecurity, financial scarcity, and so what's interesting to me and I'm and I'm in the process of working through this is I've always had these entrepreneurial um, tendencies, right? Like I love thinking about business and I watch business videos and I do I read business books, I do all this stuff, right? I like talking about marketing, whatever. But yet when it comes to doing it, I never do it. Right? I, I've always had a job, right? I've always had that um, I've always worked for someone, and in those jobs, I've always given picked jobs that give me a certain amount of, of of freedom to feel like I can make my own decisions. But yet, I always have a job. And what that, what I'm realizing that is, is by having a job that satiates that financial uncertainty. Because what I think is, is that if I'm an entrepreneur, if I'm a business owner, it all falls on me that I'm not going to have enough money. I'm not going to be able to pay for everything, 
right? I'm too terrified. Anytime I've tried to step out to do something entrepreneurial, I, I virtually freeze and I don't do anything. And then, and then I, I go back and I go get a job and then I talk, I, I, I talk smack to myself and said, I'm not good enough. I can't do it. I'm not an entrepreneur. I, I, I work, you know, I'm just, maybe I'm just meant to work for someone. And so neither are good or bad. I'm talking about my process, right? How, how ingrained these deep subconscious stories that I, I say I grew up with, but these were my interpretations of what was going on in my household. So when I think of, when I, when they go, all right, Preston, think of, of who you want to be and what you want to do. My first instinct is what can I buy? What is this money? What is this financial security going to do for me houses shoes clothes etc and the other thing is is i want you to think i'm successful right isn't that isn't that crazy gary v talks about we we do all this stuff to buy these things to impress people we don't even care about right we we do all this work we buy all these things to to impress people we don't even care about. It's this idea of keeping up with the Joneses. I'm spending money that I don't have. I'm, I'm walking around with luxury clothes and luxury shoes in which I can barely afford or I swipe the credit card. I'm paying them all because I want you to think I got it together. Right? But here's what I'm working on with these meditations. This 90-day commitment to doing these meditations is... When I, that's why I like longer meditations and visualization meditation, because if I stay long enough, right, and I get past the financial um, dreams, and there's nothing wrong with wanting houses and cars. I want to be clear about that. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm talking about my process here is um, if I stay long enough, that, that instinct to impress you, that instinct to wrestle financial security out of an uncertain world, right? Then I get to, oh yeah, this podcast, my workshops, my keynote speeches, the work I do, the the man that I am as a as a father and a husband is about helping other people about being of service, about helping navigate, normalizing and and demystifying mental and emotional health care, mental health and addiction services, right? Is that I want to make a greater impact on our community and the world. It makes me uncomfortable even talking about that. But when I sit in it and I think about the work I do in my recovery circles and and sponsorship is that is what lights me up. And when I'm not worried about money, when I act as if all my prayers have been answered, which means I can pay my bills, right? And I don't have to worry about where's the next meal coming from, right? When I, when I, when I get in that mental and emotional state, I can actually dream about serving others. I can I can actually dream about making an impact. I can I can set a goal to to get this uh, this 
normalization of mental health, uh, uh, mental health and addiction tool in schools. I can think about that and I can say it without being uncomfortable because I'm not worried about paying the bills or buying things to impress you. Huh. I think one of the other th- <laughs> one of the other things that, that was really uh, great about it was actually the guy that says success can't be bought it's only rented and we and rent is due every day as he said he says without fail everybody comes up to him and says hey man I get it you know I get it we got to do a bunch of work we got to be diligent we got to be disciplined we got to do the hard things for long-term successful results we got to I, I get it here comes the question now if I do all these things if I check all the boxes if I'm diligent and disciplined How long do I have to do it for? (laughs) How long? How many times do I got to meditate before I I get rocketed into the fourth dimension? How how many counseling sessions do I have to go to until my uh, childhood childhood trauma is fixed? How many many meetings do I have to go to until I don't want to use drugs anymore? And the answer is the rent is due every day we do it forever right my goal is to start you on this path to get people started on this path long enough to make a high enough commitment to be as consistent as they possibly can that the work actually becomes normal that introspection Prayer, meditation, journaling, support groups, asking others for help, serving others as a mentor, learning, constantly learning to share my feelings in my family, constantly tweaking my parenting style and my husbanding style, right? If I can get people... To make a high enough commitment for a long enough period of time, it no longer becomes I have to do. It becomes I want to do. It no longer becomes I have to go to counseling or go to these support groups or I I have to show up for my family. It's I want to. It becomes actually natural. becomes the natural thing to do. So, you know, people come up to me and go, oh, you still go to those meetings? You're still doing all that? Man, you you make things real complicated. And, you know, on some some, some instances, they might be right. But for me, I enjoy the process. That if we want to make long-term generational change, if we want to change um, our children, you know, if we want to change our, our grandchildren and great-grandchildren and, and change... Uh, the, the things that were that we experienced as young kids and actually what our parents experienced and what our grandparents experienced um, that's a that's a lifetime of work right? it's taken a long time there is no quick fix there is no three steps to happiness there is no do this for the next 26 days and you got a new habit anyway that's what I'm thinking about I'm extremely grateful for this platform. I'm extremely grateful for my recovery. I'm extremely grateful for friendships and connections. 
I'm grateful for my, my wife and my family and my son and the opportunity to fail and be uncomfortable and to make mistakes. And hopefully when I do that work and as I do that work, I don't shame myself too much, right? I can accept, you know, that I've made mistakes and I'll continue to make mistakes. Um, and I don't get bogged down in the shame cycle. Um, anyway, I love you. Hey, if there's anybody that you think needs to hear this, I want to encourage you to share this podcast with them. And as always, we would love a uh, written review or a five-star rating on whatever platform you listen on. Uh, If you ever have any questions or want to connect, be sure to reach out to me on social. Okay, Preston Moore. And uh, we love you. Holla at your boy.